Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Amanda Gates and today I have on Susan Shemsky. In my opinion, she is a real trailblazer in healing the human condition for the Western world. She has written over 14 books and don't tell her, but I've secretly been stalking her for years. So the fact that she said yes to coming on the show is like a really, really big deal. I'm so excited, <laughs> especially because our... Uh, recording is just so amazing today. Now I will say that my original plan when we booked her was to just focus on her book Chakras and Chakra Healing. However, being that she is an expert in prayer, meditation, affirmation, intuition, and just expanding the human potential to the nth degree, I realized, you know what, I really need to allow this conversation to just flow exactly where it needs to go and give y'all the exact information that you need to hear. So just a little side note, it's all about going within. <laughs> so before we dive into today's show, I wanted to share something that I recently received from Spirit. And it's timely because of the show that Susan and I do today. Last week, we celebrated Earth Day. Hopefully each and every one of you did. And I shared a fantastic episode on nature spirits and their importance. I also went on and on about cultivating your chi, which FYI, the show today discusses many tools to do that. So if you say to yourself, great, Amanda, why the hell does it matter? I'm totally wigging out because I'm stuck at home and I can't pay my bills and my landlord wants me to pay rent. Here's why. So last week, after I recorded the Nature Spirit show, let me just say, not to my surprise, I was going out uh, to view a property that my client just purchased to just take a look at it, look at the feng shui and the energy and, and have a conversation with her. And I kid you not, as I was driving down the road, I saw a big ass male turkey on the side of the road completely fanned out in all of his glory. And he was on my left-hand side. And I was like, holy shit, did I just see what I think I just saw? I mean, it was like something out of the movies. It was so beautiful. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Then, not even a mile down the road, I saw another one on my right side, all fanned out in all of his glory. Holy cow, y'all. It was beautiful and amazing and I wish I could have grabbed a photo, but like I was on a, a road that didn't really have any places to pull off. And I was afraid that if I just stopped in the middle of the road, somebody would hit me. <laughs> Not that it was a busy road. It was out in the middle of the country and I probably would have been fine. But anyways, it was more about the experience, not getting a picture of it. So anyways, I immediately knew 
this meant something, right? So when I got home, I did a deep meditation and then I did my feng shui plum blossom divination, which I spoke about last week. I just wanted to gain further clarity. I had a pretty good idea as to the direction the message was going, but I always love to take it a little bit further. You know, I'm a wood. I love more is more. It's my philosophy <laughs> in life. So as I read the message and really sat in it, holy cow, no doubt this is a message for humanity. And since it required meditation to get to this message, this is something that Susan and I go into great links discussing today. And that's why I wanted to share this because I know a lot of you, you know, we've been receiving emails from many of you that you're thanking us for the show. You're, you're thankful that we're doing more shows. You know, I'm trying to put up as many as I can to keep you busy and, and give you positive spiritual matter in your lives so that you're staying uplifted. But I understand we're still having to deal with the mundane shit, right? We're still having to pay rent. We're still having to pay the utility bills. And I can see where that gets frustrating. However, what you focus on expands. And today's message is a reminder of that. So here is the divination message that I received. Influence. Wooing. An influence comes good fortune to those whose hearts are correct. This divination indicates the coming of an influence. This may take the form of a teaching from the sage, an interaction with another, or a pleasing event. In any case, there is good fortune if you meet the influence with proper thoughts and actions. Let me say that again. There is good fortune if you meet the influence with proper thoughts and actions. So remember, what you focus on expands. It is a good time to remember that like attracts like. If one gives expression to higher things, then one will be surrounded by higher things. If one indulges in what is inferior, then one can expect to have the company of inferiors. Therefore, it is wise to cling steadily to humility, independence, gentleness, and openness. With others, keep an open heart, free of desire, condemning no one, enjoying affinities while retaining your equanimity. With the sage, keep a clear connection. Seek resolutely to serve as a conduit for truth, innocence, and goodness. If the influence is challenging, persevere with correctness. If it is pleasing, also persevere in correctness. Maintaining your devotion to higher things ensures success in the coming time. Holy cow, y'all. If that is not a message for what we are going through right now, I don't know what is. The most important thing is that like attracts like. So have the proper thoughts. Keep the proper thoughts. So stop focusing on things that aren't serving you. Stop focusing on things that you don't want in your life. Focus on beauty, harmony, peace, a perfect world with kindness and compassion. Because the more that we can think about this as a collective, the more we create it. Make sense? Oh my God. I hope every single one of you replay that and listen to it because I think now more than ever, that is an incredible message from spirit about where we are and what we need to do. 
So I wanted to share this message because this is why inner work and cultivating your chi matters. If you go, if you have not listened to last week's show, go back and listen to it. If you have, go back and listen to it again. You can only get these messages from spirit and align with the frequencies of this type of work when you cultivate your chi. And one of the things that I talked about in that show is the nature spirits to work with to help you to do that. So if you want to receive guidance and direction from within, rather than trying to seek it externally, which doesn't always work, this is what you need to do. So today, Susan and I talk about her incredible background with Maharishi Mahesh, her books, and why doing the inner work, like meditation, is so important. Are you ready? Hell yeah, let's do this. Hey, Susan, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here with you today, Amanda. I'm excited to have you on. I was just uh, having a conversation with Susan before we came on to the show today that I've been following her on Facebook for, I'm going to say a couple of years, but like to be really truthful, it's probably been a lot longer than that. (laughs) I've been kind of Facebook stalking you. And we've got a fantastic gal that sends us, she's a PR gal and she sends us guests all the time. And Susan came across my desktop and I was a little bit of a fangirl. I was like, oh my God. So I'm excited (laughs) to have you on today. (laughs) I'm just excited to be here. Well, I think, you know, your work is so revolutionary and it's holy cow now more than ever, it's really needed with all the chaos that's going on in the world and, you know, the symptoms of ascension and and evolution. And, you know, I have so many friends that are astrologers that are talking about how this is kind of the pinnacle year where we're really being kind of shaken up and, and, you know, really being forced to change and transform and simplify. And so I think that your work is so valuable because I think it, you know, instead of people seeking external things to get the answers, you're really teaching to look internally for the answers and you teach people how to do that, which I think is fantastic. But before we dive into all of the amazingness that is Susan, let's dial it back just a little bit and just tell people, you know, like, I'm curious, when you were a kid, did you like know in your head that you were going to be like a publisher of 17 or an author of 17 books and, you know, you were going to be going down this path or like, where did you see yourself going when you were younger? What was your, what were your goals? Well, when I was a child, all I wanted was world peace because I was, (laughs) I was raised, I was raised during the Cold War and it was terrifying because every time that I would hear an airplane go over the head, over our heads, which was very often because we lived right near an Air Force base, I would be scared that an atomic bomb was going to drop on my head. I mean, that was really what it was like growing up during that time when people were terrified that the Soviet Union was going to begin a huge World War III. So Every time that I would wish on a wishing well, during a birthday, any time that I was making a wish, it was all, always to wish for world peace. So that was my goal as a, as a child, frankly. 
No small feet, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you're going to go big, go home, right? Like that's the old saying, go big or go home. So, I mean, I mean, if you're going to do it, let's do it. (laughs) Absolutely. But strangely, my wish got granted. And I'll tell you why. My guru, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, his goal, his number one goal was to create world peace. And I joined with him. I actually lived in his various ashrams for two decades, and I was on his personal staff for six years. And his vision was to create world peace through individual peace. He always used to say that in order for the forest to be green, the trees must be green. In order for the world to be at peace, individuals must be at peace. And I think that made a whole lot of sense because how can you have a peaceful world when you have people crazed, people who are just not into peace at all, who are into creating war, creating crime. And uh, so in order for world peace to happen, Maharishi, what he did was he trained 40,000 teachers of transcendental meditation and they in turn trained 6 million people how to meditate. So Maharishi was just trying to get as many people as possible to meditate so that during meditation, they would vibrate and radiate positive energy and and peacefulness into the atmosphere. And in fact, he did scientific research on that. He would send hundreds of people to crime-ridden areas, to war-torn areas, and he would have his scientists do statistical studies and they found that when these people meditated in groups that the crime rate went down the war subsided so all in all the 21st century is not anything like the 20th century the 20th century was a bloodbath we had 40 million people dying in world war one 71 people murdered in world war ii We had millions of young men coming back in body bags from all these horrible wars during the 20th century. That's just not what it's like anymore. I mean, this is a new new world. The vibration of this planet has lifted to such a huge degree that uh, now people are able to have very amazing meditation experiences within a few minutes Whereas before it would take months or years for people to have these same experiences. I see a huge lifting in the vibration of the planet. And that is largely due to people like Maharishi who came over and taught people to how, how to meditate. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I think it's really fascinating that, all of us decided to incarnate at this time. You know, I, I speak with a lot of light workers who, you know, truly believe that, you know, it's, it's time, you know, and there's always been a time, like you said, there, there's always been a, a time in, in history when we've been called up to bring these ancient tools. They've been around forever. We've been doing them forever, but for some reason people forget and they forget to, you know, um, utilize the tools to, really calm the chaos. I mean, the chaos is is something that we're creating. And I don't think that a lot of people realize that. 
I'm curious, um, is this the same? I feel like this was the same teacher that Ram Das had. Is that true? No, Ram Das was with Nim Karoli Baba, who was an, an incredible spiritual master, by the way. And, okay, uh, for some reason I was thinking that he had worked with Maharishi too, but maybe I, I must be getting my my wires crossed. But I mean, <laughs> same same philosophy of, yes, you know, finding the inner peace, finding the truth within, um, you know, and, and kind of along the same lines of, yeah, you can find eternal peace with drugs and psychedelics, or you can meditate and find it within and, and you know, go there on your own. <laughs> Absolutely. So the reality was way back um, in the 20th century, uh, Timothy Leary and Ram Dass, who was Richard Alpert before he became Ram Dass, they had written a book called The Psychedelic Experience, and they were telling us to turn on, tune in, and drop out. So we were doing that as flower children. I was a flower child, you know, I was a hippie. <laughs> and uh, so we were attempting to reach these altered states, what they called altered states, or higher states of consciousness, we would say today. Uh, we were trying to do that through LSD. Uh, that didn't work out too well, especially didn't work out too well for me, but I did have some good experiences with psychedelics, but unfortunately I had a psychotic break with psychedelics uh, because I never came down from the drug. <laughs> it was continued flashbacks for months. It was oh, terrifying. Gosh. So it was hor horrendous for me, but, but eventually I found a way to meditate without any kind of stimulants or drugs or anything, which um, I'm so grateful that I learned that and that I didn't spend much time on the psychedelic pathway. <laughs> so uh, it's been, uh, I, I, I've loved meditation ever since I first learned way back in the, <laughs> in the olden days. And I, uh, and I teach meditation. I don't teach transcendental meditation. I teach another form of meditation that's called divine revelation. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was something that I wanted to ask you about is that, you know, when I was doing research on you, one of your key services is div divine revelation. And I, I wanted you to tell the audience uh, about what that is, because as I said at the top of the show, I think the work that you're doing is, is pretty darn revolutionary. And I think that um, the word meditation gets thrown around so much, uh, especially here lately, and everybody thinks they're doing it. Um, and it's become such a buzzword that I, I think it's almost become like background noise. And so tell people what divine revelation is and how it's different. Uh, yes, there's many ways to meditate. I mean, there's so many different paths and methods of meditation, and they're all probably fantastic. I mean, I still recommend people do transcendental meditation, which is a brand, you know, it's a trademarked brand of meditation that was founded by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And uh, that uses a mantra, that particular method. Mantra is a Sanskrit word or group of words that you repeat mentally or you chant out loud. I mean, the mantras can also be chanted, but in the case of Transcendental Meditation, you repeat it mentally and that helps you to go deep, deep within into that state that we call 
transcendental consciousness or samadhi, sama meaning samadhi meaning evenness of mind and stillness of body. So that state, also known as the fourth state of consciousness, beyond the states of waking, dreaming, and deep sleep state, that is the state of bliss consciousness, sat, chit, ananda, absolute bliss consciousness, transcendental awareness. So that is easily attained through that method of meditation, uh, going deep within, transcending through the use of a mantra. The method that I teach is called divine revelation, and that helps you to have direct contact and communication with the divine presence, with God in whatever form you believe that to be. Could be the form of your higher self, could be a divine being that you believe in. In any case, it's a way for you to connect personally with the divine presence and have that blissful contact that that joy and to be able to have a two-way conversation and to be able to listen to the still small voice within ask questions receive guidance healing wisdom and inspiration from within yourself and also learn how to tell the difference between the true voice of spirit and other voices in your mind how to test whether the message that you're getting is the real thing which is very important. Um, so divine revelation is, I, I'd say it's maybe more of a mystical experience, more of a devotional experience than uh, transcendental meditation. But both methods are really great methods. I just, I, I really like your approach because I've done a lot of meditation programs over the years. I've worked with a lot of different teachers. And I think that, you know, like, Satcha Ananda, we, you know, I've done many meditations over the years with the idea of a mantra. And um, I think that what is achieved is definitely inner peace, calming of the mind, but it's more of a feeling. And I think what's so great about divine revelation is the idea that um, you're taking meditation and you're turning it into a very valuable tool um, to really get like you said, the truth, to be able to tell the difference of, am I making this up? Am I hearing voices or is this real? <laughs> you know, and yes. being able to know, uh, I love the idea of having a conversation because, you know, I, I think about all of the years that I've doing, met, been doing meditation and, you know, the idea of going into meditation with a frenetic mind and, you know, it takes me 15 minutes to just calm the heck down and having a question that I'm thinking about, and there's always that small voice in your head and, and you get that immediate answer. And it's like, hmm, can I trust this? Or am I just making this up? Or is this, exactly. you know, uh, is this what I am telling myself because this is what I want? Or, you, you know, so you, you, there's that space of really questioning and non, you know, not trusting it. And so I think your method, and again, now more than ever, I mean, our world is in so much damn chaos and there's so much fear and it's so unnecessary. Like you said uh, at the beginning of the show, if we could just get everybody to calm down and find that inner peace, then we would have a peaceful world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that stems from 
not having the answers. And the truth is, we all have the answers. We came here with the software. We just need to know how to turn it on. Exactly. Yeah. Anyone is capable of receiving divine revelations. Anyone is capable of having conversations with God. Everyone is capable of asking and receiving. Everything that I teach is based upon one principle, and that is ask and it shall be given unto you. So this form of meditation is different. The form that I teach is different because people, when they go into meditation, they don't normally ask questions. In fact, they don't even normally have an intention for their meditation. So, you know, intention, you know how important intention is. You know that the only way that we will achieve something is by intending or desiring, asking. And yet people don't do that. They just think, oh, well, okay, I'll just sit down and close my eyes and see what happens. Well, that's kind of, you know, I don't think that's really the best way to meditate. Or, hey, I'll watch my breathing. What's watching your breathing going to do for you? I mean, that's not going to take you anywhere. So what you want to do is you want to actually have the experience of inner bliss or you want to have an answer to your question. You want to be able to experience the incredible equanimity and equilibrium and deep relaxation and peace and lifting and light and love, divine love and ecstasy that you can experience when you ask for it it's about yeah. asking and receiving so when you're in that deep meditative state do something that people don't normally do while they're in that state and that is ask ask a question ask for guidance ask to be shown something ask to understand something ask for wisdom about a situation that you're having don't ask fortune-telling questions, though, because that will lower your vibration. But ask for guidance and ask for inspiration and ask for the experience that you want. If you want bliss, ask for that. If you want inner peace, ask for that. Well, I think what's great about that is I think for a lot of people, I know that many of the teachers that I've worked with, that that you know, it didn't even come up. The idea like, oh my gosh, like you've given me permission to actually go in with a task, kind of not really yes. a task, but yeah, you know, no, you've given right. me permission to say that I can, you are absolutely allowed to ask a question. And like, when I first saw that, I was like, wait, I can do that, you know? <laughs> and then I think there's also some feeling of, undeservingness or unworthiness like who am i to go into meditation and ask for things right i think there's a lot of that <laughs> as well like you know well the whole point of meditation is is i'm supposed to chant a mantra and i'm supposed to hit samadhi and it's supposed to be a, about a feeling and you know and that's what all the teachers have said so i can't go out of you know i can't color out of the line so to speak i have to stick uh -huh. to what i'm told and you've yeah. gone in and you've colored outside the lines <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, you can ask for samadhi, by the way. You can ask for whatever experience you want, and you are going to get it. And by the way, <clears throat> samadhi is really, that's the first step. <laughs> it's a prerequisite to everything else. 
So you really have to be in that state of equilibrium, in that state of uh, deep inner peace in order to uh, experience, in order to have clear conversations with spirit. So, but you know, that doesn't mean a blank mind. You have to understand that samadhi does not mean now we have to put effort into blanking our mind. Now we have to put effort into uh, being perfect or, I mean, that's really not, the most important thing about meditation is comfort and relaxation. Comfort and relaxation. So being in a comfortable place in a, with a nice temperature in the, in the air on a cushy and comfortable chair or uh, a couch or bed or whatever you want to sit on where you are comfortable and you have back support and there are pillows and <laughs> you just feel so at home and comfy. And then, yes, you can go into that deep meditative state where you're feeling the warm and fuzzy feelings within, where you're feeling that experience of deep, deep relaxation and, and joy and divine light and divine love. You can experience all of it. All you have to do is ask for it. So when I say ask, I mean affirm, intend, and also ask. Ask for a specific divine being to be with you. Ask. Ask for that divine being that you, that you love, that you're devoted to. Ask for that divine being to be with you and to help you in this meditation. Ask questions of that divine being. Take a deep breath and then, ask, then allow the answer to come to you. Uh, after you've asked a question, take a big, big, deep breath and then do what I call the do nothing program. That means do nothing, nothing and less than nothing and allow the answer to come to you. It will come to you when you ask and you allow. And allowing means just being in a neutral state and open to receive the answer. Yeah, the and I would also add to that, you know, I think that the, the biggest problem that I see a lot of newcomers to meditation is their egoic mind is so much in, you know, beta brain waves and it's frenetic and it's going a gazillion miles an hour and they don't trust they don't think that it's possible. And one, they don't know how to calm themselves down. And then if they do ask a question, you know, they're like, nothing's coming. This is dumb. It's not working. So what are some of your recommendations? I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. You have this amazing program where you're obviously working with a lot of students. What do you recommend to people that are just getting started out? And, and you know, I think we've probably both heard this as, oh, I've tried that, it doesn't work, or I've tried that, my mind's too busy, or whatever the excuse is. How do you kind of prep people into the idea of, you can do this, everybody has this ability, here's what you need to do? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking that. So the thing is that, yes, uh, the mind is a monkey. <laughs> the mind is a monkey, it's no known to jump around various trees all over the forest. So, <laughs> but we're building a forest of peace. <laughs> so don't try, don't try to control it. It's going to jump around anyway. Just don't try to do anything. Don't expect to control it. Don't try to control it. Don't try to focus and concentrate really hard 
don't try to, I mean, the way I'm even speaking, I'm sure it's giving people a headache to even think about all the effort and energy that's put into whatever they think they need to do in order to meditate. Meditation is about relaxation. It's about letting go. And they say, oh, no, I can't let go. I can't, I can't, I can't. Uh, in fact, you can. And here's a way to do that. Take a big, deep breath, a breath like this. Big, deep breath. And then take another one. And then take another one. Take a few deep breaths like that. And immediately, you're going to feel calmer. You're going to feel that the mind is not jumping around. The breath will take you into deep meditation. Now, when I say take a few deep breaths, that doesn't mean hyperventilate. It doesn't mean taking those <laughs> deep breaths the whole time during meditation. It means taking a few deep breaths and then letting go and breathing normally. And asking, asking, ask to be taken deeper. You're not alone in this struggle. You're not beating your head against a brick wall. You have helpers, invisible helpers, <laughs> your invisible friends divine beings call upon them call by name say something like holy spirit please take me deeper into meditation or call upon another divine being lord buddha take me deep into meditation jesus take me deep into meditation call upon a divine being i'm being very specific here i'm being <laughs> this is easy for anybody to understand call upon them they will help you call upon them by name Archangel Michael, please come and help me. Take me deeper into meditation. Archangel Michael, please bring me uh, inner strength. Please bring me invincibility. Whatever it is you want to ask for, just ask and you will receive. The, these results are instantaneous when you ask. Use your power of intention. And by the way, use your power of speech. Ask audibly. When you're and know that you're worthy of it. Yes, yes, know you're worthy to receive. But ask audibly, say it so you can hear it, not just in your head. Staying in your head can sometimes, when you just stay in your head and you try to do everything mentally, you may drift off into la-la land, the kind of la-la land that's not really deep meditative experience. La La Land means drifting off into the astral world, which is not going to take you into the place that you need to be, which is the spiritual plane. Well, I, I, I love this because, you know, first and foremost, I have Archangel Michael and Jesus on speed dial. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said the right buzzwords there then. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I sometimes wonder because I talk to Archangel Michael every single day and I talk to Jesus wow. and cool. I also, uh, I work closely with Goddess Danu, which I started working with her last year. She's an Irish goddess and a girlfriend had actually told me that she was one of my guides and she said, you've got this guide, Goddess Dana. And I started working with her and she corrected me and she said, my name is Goddess Danu. And I was like, okay. Then. <laughs> <laughs> so I let my girlfriend know. I was like, uh, Jamie, you mispronounced her name. And she's like, whatever, you two figured it out. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I sometimes I laugh because I, you know, when I meditate in the morning, I, I will, I call on all of them and then I get in my car and I'm talking to them and then I go to work and I'm about to meet with a client and I, you know, and just now before I was coming to meet you, I was calling on all of them. I'm like, let me get there on time with plenty of time and safely. <laughs> so I, I'm constantly talking to them, but if someone is new and, you know, they should know who Jesus is, but if they've never heard of Archangel Michael, I, I was actually just talking to a gal maybe three months ago when I was, you know, telling her about meditation and to, to call on the archangels. And she's actually a yoga instructor. And she's like, I don't know anything about the archangels. And I was like, what? <laughs> How do you not know about Archangel Michael? Like I call him Big Mike. I'm, I, I'm sure he's up there like rolling his eyes at me like, uh-huh, she's here again. Uh, but if someone's new you know is there like a starter kit are there people that you i love it you know is are there some like uh some beginners i would definitely uh recommend archangel i love archangel michael archangel raphael gabriel or some good ones shamiel uh jesus is a good one um, you know, maybe do your homework. If you're listening to this, maybe look up the archangels, look up the goddesses, you know, see what yeah, resonates no. with you. Absolutely. And I wrote a book called Ascension. Uh, if you read the book called Ascension, you're going to hear, you're going to read stories about all these amazing uh, immortal beings, ascended masters, beings of light, avatars also, and, uh, and, and even the archangels are in that book, yes. And it is really an amazing book that can really inspire you to begin to have dialogues with divine beings. So uh, it pretty much talks about all these uh, immortal ascended masters and the things that, uh, well, their history, who they are. There's pictures of them. Uh, I, I painted most of the pictures that are in that book and uh, not only the usual suspects like Jesus and Babaji and uh, Saint Germain and so on, but Another good obscure one. ones that people don't know about, uh, people, uh, ones that people have never heard of actually, immortal beings who have attained ascension who uh, are really, no one knows about and from all over the world not just the Far East, but even America. Uh, so it's a fascinating book. Ascension is the name of the book. That's fantastic. I'm, and I'm glad you brought, brought up uh, St. Germain. I work with him too. I, I was told years ago that um, I have been an alchemist in my past life many times. And so St. Germain oh, wow. helps me with that and, and works very closely with me on that. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So um, I work with him, but I, I think what's really powerful, and I, I love that you have a book. I think that that's fantastic to, you know, create your own starter kit. Um, but I think what's really great about it is that, you know, it's been a long time since I uh, got into this world, but I do remember when I started meditation, uh, it was in the early uh, 2000s, and I remember having that frenetic mind, and I remember feeling like I was doing it wrong, and I, I felt like um, I didn't know what the heck I was doing and, um, you know, I, I kept trying to do it and, and kept trying to call on my mind. And I think if I had known about, you know, calling on, uh, beings and, and just being aware that that was a, a thing that people did, 
um, I think it would have really helped me because I think it's very empowering when you go into meditation and you're calling on all of these incredibly spiritual, uh, powerful beings that are so benevolent, benevolent and loving and kind and so wise. And it, it, when you can really get into that place and feel that presence, you don't feel alone. And I think so many people on this planet, you know, we've gotten so disconnected due to technology. We've gotten so disconnected from having real conversations and, and, you know, um, we're so many people are, you know, really saying that they're lonely, feeling that they're lonely. And I think that they think like meditation is the last thing that I want to do because I'm lonely. And it's like, but if you could really get into that place, if you could really sit in that space and sink into it, you realize you're not alone. Like you are surrounded. I am so glad you brought that up, Amanda, because truly, okay, so I practiced transcendental meditation for two decades. And it did not get rid of the loneliness, even though I was experiencing Satchitananda. I was experiencing unbounded awareness. I was experiencing transcendental consciousness. My mind was expanded to infinity and so on. That did not quell the loneliness whatsoever. When I learned divine revelation, by the way, I learned it. I didn't make it up. When I learned it, I found out that I had all these wonderful invisible friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And not only were they friends, they were divine beings and they were amazing. Mm -hmm. And I could have conversations with them, two-way conversations. And they would tell me um, that I'm a beauteous being of light. And they would tell me that I'm not alone. And they would uh, comfort me. They would give me love. I mean, incredible love. There was so much love there in in that heart of hearts there's so much love uh, in that place of of perfect peace and perfect solace and comfort that the inner teachers I call them the inner teachers that they bring to us and we are never alone again once we have that connection to spirit with a capital S in a personal way, this is connecting with the personal aspect or aspects of divinity. It's connecting with these beauteous beings of light and with your own higher self and all the comfort, all the uh, support that you have from these divine beings who can help you with any problem, uh, solve any problem, give you the answer to any question Um, as long as you're not trying to tell the future, which I do not recommend that you try to do predictive uh, questions with that because that really will lower your vibration. So I don't recommend that. Well, I think it's just such a valid point because, you know, I I see it being a a feng shui practitioner. You know, I I would say that in the last decade, it's probably one of the number one things that I hear the most is loneliness and and wanting to find a partner and to, you know, to feel connected. And I I think that we are definitely um, due to technology getting further and further away. But I will say that the 
other side of the spectrum is becoming me where all I want to do is be alone because I'm not alone. You know, I've got all these amazing <laughs> I beings. I know what you're saying. I completely and concur. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I could spend all damn day out in nature and hugging trees and talking to my nature spirits and getting exactly. weird in the woods and talking to my elementals <laughs> and my divine beings. And like, you know, people won't yeah. see me for a week and they'll be like, oh my God, where did you go? And I've been, I'm in la la land. <laughs> It's awesome. (laughs) Right. But, you know, I think that, you know, if you can really get into that place and realize what a gift and what a treasure meditation can be, it's not just this um, practice that, you know, like you said, it it can be quite comfortable. You're not supposed to, you don't have to go and sit on a, a cushion in lotus position and be uncomfortable where your back hurts and, you know, feel like you're supposed to be accomplishing samadhi or <laughs> accomplishing a goal or a task and, you know, a to-do list. If you just really sit into it and make it your own and figure out what works for you, it can really open up and blossom into this really unique experience for you. And it could, it's going to look different for everyone. But I, I have found that the people who are doing it right and the people who do it, um, and I talk about it all the time on this show, I talk about cultivating your chi, which means taking care of yourself and, and keeping your energy system in balance and not getting you know plugged into mass consciousness of fear and chaos and nonsense. When you really cultivate your chi and you take the time to take care of yourself, that true self-care of, of calibrating your energy system, you don't really tap into all that fear and that chaos because you are completely surrounded by otherworldly beings that, you know, I feel like sometimes I'm on the mountaintop looking down at the chaos going, what idiots would they, if they would just slow down and meditate, everything would be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Go hug a tree. Yeah, absolutely true. So I wrote a book called third eye meditations. That's my latest book. And in that book, are guided meditations that anyone can do. It's so simple. I mean, I call it the do nothing program. And I would say add it to your starter kit because it was one of the ones that you sent me and it's fantastic. And if you are listening to this and you're new to meditation and you don't know what the hell to do with yourself and you have to have a to-do list, this is a great book for that. It absolutely is. So you can either just read these meditations, which will take you into a meditative state uh, with eyes open, or what you can do, it's even a better idea, is to record whatever meditations you'd like to practice that are in this book, record them, and then, uh, and then sit down, get really comfortable, all cushy and feeling really warm and fuzzy, and uh, Play, start the playback, close your eyes, and that's going to just guide you into meditation, your own voice guiding you into meditation. That's really ideal. However, also, this book, Third Eye Meditations, happens to be available as an audio book. And I highly recommend that you not only get the book, but you also get the audio book. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. In case someone's new to the podcast and has no idea what Third Eye is, um, I think this is a great segue because one of the other books that you sent me, and FYI, Susan has, I think, 17 books. Is that correct? You have so yes. many dang books. 17 um, books. 
but it's a great segue because you also wrote a fantastic book. Um, let's talk a little bit about the chakra system and what that is, because it ties into, somebody may say third eye meditations, what the heck is that? Third eye is one of the chakras. So let's segue into what the chakras are and why you wrote the book. Yeah, the book is called The Big Book of Chakras and Chakra Healing. So that book is a, like an encyclopedia about the chakras. So what's a chakra? I better start there. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think so it's important because it ties into meditation really well. Exactly. So you talked about um, chi. Chi is uh, the Chinese version of prana. Prana in, is called prana in India. It's called chi in China. It's called ki in Japan. Uh, okay, so prana is life force energy. It is the life force energy that is flowing through your subtle body. You have a gross physical body and you also have a subtle body, otherwise known as the energy field or the aura or auric field. So there are several layers. Uh, it's called fivefold sheath in India. There's five basic layers to our energy field. The first layer is the physical body, which is known as the food sheath. Uh, which is Anamaya Kosha. And it is the food sheath is made of food, sustained by food, and becomes food for something else after we're dead. So that's the food sheath. And uh, that is the first layer. The second layer is called the Pranamaya Kosha, which is made of prana, life force energy. It is the layer of our subtle body that keeps us alive. It gives us motion and it gives us heat and it allows us to stand upright. So in other words, this subtle body is what's keeping you alive. Prana, life force energy is what's keeping you alive. It's not your physical body. It is the subtle body. Uh, in the ancient scriptures of India, it is said that when prana is in the body, that is what is defined as life. And when prana leaves the body, that is what is defined as death. The next layer of our energy field is called the manamaya kosha or the mental emotional body. And then the next layer is the vijnanamaya kosha, which is the intellect and ego body. And then finally, there's the ananda maya kosha, which is the causal body. So these are the five sheaths. The sheath where the chakras are is called the pranamaya kosha, which is the vital energy sheath. So the, this subtle energy is flowing through conduits of energy or pathways of energy. In China, they're called meridian. And in India, they're called nadi, N-A-D-I. So this subtle energy this life force energy is flowing through these pathways and where these come and intersect and form plexuses those are called chakra chakra is the word it's a sanskrit word it means wheel so these wheels are they have a hub which is the center of pranic energy and they also have radiations of pranic or life force energy and those are the spokes of the wheel so there's seven major chakra in your subtle body, and then there's seven other chakra. Now, so, for, so a total of 14 that I talk about in this book called The Big Book of Chakras and Chakra Healing. 
so um, these chakra are what are regulating and keeping your body going. They are actually, amazingly, this invisible body, which is not physical at all, is what's keeping you alive. If you were to dissect a corpse, you would not find a chakra or a nadi anywhere. They're in a different dimension. They're in your subtle body. So the sixth major chakra, um, well, maybe I should just quickly say that the seven chakras start with the base chakra at the root of your spine. Then there's the um, sacral chakra, which is in the area of your gonads or sexual organs. And there's the navel chakra in the area of your digestive tract and then or your stomach. And then there's the heart chakra and then the throat chakra, and then the third eye chakra, and the crown chakra. So the third eye chakra is the sixth chakra, and that's where your sixth sense is. And that's in the middle of your head, in the area of the pineal gland. So that is the third eye. It's called the third eye. We have these two eyes by which we see the wondrous world, but we have a third eye in the middle of our head head where we can see things that are hidden from view and that's where our clairvoyant clairaudient and clairsentient abilities are it is the eye of illumination and it is the center of uh, where the inner teacher is the inner guru is i'm curious you know i've been working on the the chakras for years and i i this is just a personal opinion and i would like i'm curious about your thoughts i feel like most people uh, really live in their first three and don't really get into the, you know, the heart, the throat, the third eye. What has been your experience with that? Because I think that this book is so valuable. Um, the tagline, How to Unlock Your Seven Energy Centers for Healing, Happiness, and Transformation. I mean, you nailed it right there. Healing, happiness, and transformation. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what everybody uh, really needs, um, which can be done through our energy system. But I feel like a lot of people really uh, stay in the lower three because, you know, the root chakra is always um, finances and money and security. And, and, you know, so many people are always rattled with instability in that area. And then there's a lot of sexual trauma and, and a lot of that's being triggered right now with what's going on in society. And now we've got fear with the solar plexus. And it's like, you know, I think it's important for those that are listening today, you really have to work on your energy system and calibrate it in a way, you know, through meditation, getting out in nature, things like that, so that you can really heal those. Because to me, the good stuff is the heart, the throat, the third eye, the crown, you know, that's where you really want to be. But I feel like a lot of people don't really get there. So what in your line of work, you've been doing this for so long. What has been your experience and, and has meditation been the best way to really help people get through all of them and heal them? Uh, yeah. So the thing is, Amanda, that most people, you're right, average people are really only concerned with the first three chakras. That's where they live. They're not interested in higher pursuits. Anybody who's listening to this broadcast is interested in higher pursuits. Anyone who's interested in this broadcast has their kundalini raised to some degree or another. And kundalini meaning the spiritual pranic, the spiritual life force energy. It's a form of prana, but it's 
a special form of prana that is usually dormant and lying coiled in something called the root bulb, which is below your root chakra. Uh, so average individuals, that kundalini is just asleep, that coiled up energy. Kundalini simply means coiled up. So uh, it's often likened to a serpent that's coiled up and asleep. But uh, once that awakens to some degree, we start to uh, open the chakras more and also that energy goes up to higher chakras. Uh, the heart is the gateway to higher consciousness. So that's the one that's in the middle. And then you have, you have the three lower, then you have that gateway in the middle going through the heart. Then we go up to the higher chakras, which are involved with artistic expression, first of all, through the, ch the throat chakra and then um, illumination and uh, higher abilities and opening up the inner teacher and the sixth chakra and then the seventh chakra, opening up to unbounded awareness and to higher consciousness. So, uh, you know, it's very interesting that the seven chakras, the seven major chakras, that, that is, that they all have planets associated with them. The third eye chakra happens to have the planet Jupiter associated with it. And Jupiter is known as the preceptor of the planets. It is, uh, it is known as the teacher. And strangely enough, in Sanskrit, the word for Jupiter is guru. Guru yeah. is actually the word for Jupiter in Sanskrit. So the inner guru is there in your third eye. And that's where you can receive inner teaching and intuition. That's where you can communicate with your inner teachers and uh, listen to the still small voice within. And when I say listen, I don't mean just listen. It can be listening. It can be hearing, seeing, or feeling. And all of that is, is in the area of the third eye. So what is the best? So you ask, what's the best way for us to get into the higher chakras? And in my opinion, the best way is through meditation. Meditation is really the best way to elevate your consciousness so that you are activating the higher chakras. But there are also certain methods you can do. In my book, The Big Book of Chakras and Chakra Healing, I have a lot of different exercises to help you to awaken kundalini and to help you to experience the higher states of consciousness through the higher chakras. So, for example, we have breathing exercises, pranayama. These are traditional, traditional exercises. And also there's the bandhas or muscular locks. There are mudras or gestures. These are traditional yogic practices. And obviously there's also the yoga asanas, which means postures. So all all of these are excellent practices and also affirmation, meditation, prayer, all of that. It's in the book. In fact, the big book of chakras and chakra healing is like an encyclopedia of the chakras. Everything you ever wanted to know about chakras is in this book and everything that you never want to know about chakras is also <laughs> in this book. And I have to say that when my publisher asked me to write the first edition of this book, which was way back in the early 2000s, is when I began. Um, because uh, this book has already gone through three incarnations. This is the most 
the most recent edition of this book. But way back when they asked me to write the book, I went back to the ancient scriptures of India and found the most authentic information I could find about the topic. And so I, went, I delved into the Vedic and Tantric scriptures, the ancient Sanskrit scriptures, and I found this amazing, amazing information that's in this book that you're not going to find anywhere else. It just doesn't exist anywhere else. The most popular chakra teachers in the world, such as Anadia Judith and Cindy Dale, have told me that my book is like the ultimate <laughs> book about the chakras, that they, they tell their students to read my book if they really want to go deep into the esoteric aspects of this subject. Wow, that's awesome to get this, you know, seal of approval. I mean, those are like chakra queens. That's awesome. <laughs> but I yeah. think, you know, I, I, to me, you know, I've been doing yoga for years and, you know, I, I think it's such a valuable practice when you, uh, I don't even do yoga anymore for the physical asanas. I'm doing it for the breath work and how it makes me feel. And I can go into a yoga class just dog tired or uh, the other night I went in anxious and I knew it wasn't my anxiety. I knew, I, I feel like I'm a HEPA filter right now for consciousness <laughs> and I was just frenetic and anxious and, and I, I was experiencing a little bit of rage and I knew it wasn't me. I knew it was, I was picking up on something and, you know, I go to yoga now and it's like the breath work and we, my, my teacher uh, does a lot of Dharma talks in, in yoga and we, we talk about it. It's true. Yoga is what it really is. That's uh, great. Because we, we, we talk about the, the uh, spiritual philosophies and the Vedic texts and, and we do almost every single class. We spend 15 to 20 minutes just on Vedic texts and, and uh, the teachings of spirituality and yoga and things like that. But I think what is so valuable about it is that when you combine that uh, with a spiritual practice, whether that's through meditation, meditation and getting outside, you know, um, really doing the self-care of doing the inner work, um, I think it makes, one, it makes for a better human, but you just feel better. You operate better. You're able to make better decisions. Um, I think that's the biggest shift that I noticed. I started doing yoga about 11 years ago and, and probably the first thing that I really started to notice after adding that to my, uh, at that time I was doing meditation maybe for 10 minutes a day. So doing that and the yoga, I noticed a huge shift in my ability to think analytically, make quick decisions um, and not feel frenetic in my brain. And it was yes. the pranayama. It's the breath work. Yes. Yeah. That can be very, very, very powerful. Yes. Pranayama. Which I think also, is great. Also, you mentioned this idea of taking on energy from others, the idea of being an energy sponge. So what I'd like to do is give your listeners just a little uh, affirmation that can transform your life if you have the problem of taking on energy from other people and all sensitive people are like that they do tend to uh, take on the energy of others of the environment of whatever it is that they're exposed to and they feel like they're being drained like people are vampires draining energy from them 
So I'd like to just give you a, a one affirmation that will really help you. And here it is. I am in control. I am one with God. I am the only authority in my life. I am divinely protected by the light of my being. I close off my aura and body of light to the lower astral levels of mind, and I open to the spiritual world. Thank you, God, and so it is. So that will really help you to uh, overcome this kind of energy sponge syndrome that people have where they just feel like they're being drained by all the energies around them. I have other tools that I've used and, you know, when it's a really good day, they work well, but it's, you know, when I get really tired that I notice that, you know, my, I think my vibration lowers, I think I'm fatigued. And so that's when I get most affected. So another reason for self-care, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, um, I think that that's great. So thank you so much for, uh, sharing that with us today. Um, we're actually a little over an hour. I knew that this was going to go quickly because I <laughs> uh, was so excited to talk to you and I actually didn't even get to all the questions that I had, but that's okay. As I said at the top of the show, I always really trust in the universe to get out exactly what it is that needs to be said and what people need to hear. Um, but as I've said, uh, Susan has 17 books um, so many fantastic books. Uh, she's got one on divine revelation, exploring meditation. Uh, she's got one on the auras, chakras, uh, divine intuition, color of your chakras. I mean, there's so many, so many fantastic things. So I think if you're new to the spiritual world, start here. <laughs> um, but as we are uh, closing up shop here, Susan, if people are interested in learning more about you uh, and your books, where can they find you? Where can they get more information? So my website is drsusan.org, drsusan.org. Uh, I have another website also, divinetravels.com, divine travels with an S on the end, that's plural, divinetravels.com. And uh, there you can find out about the tours to sacred destinations and cruise ship seminars that I produce, seminars at sea, conferences at sea that are holistic, spiritual conferences. And uh, my books, uh, obviously the best place to purchase books is, well, anywhere actually, anywhere you like. Could be online, Amazon, could be uh, barnesandnoble.com, could be target.com, could be in the bookstore. My books are available anywhere the books are sold. And I have 17 English books and 34 foreign editions. My books are all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. I, I, when I was doing research on you, I, it was funny because I uh, did uh, a a podcast a couple of months ago on a gentleman that like you, he had over, I think 30 books and I, I was getting all those ones messed up too. So I apologize for messing up the name of your book, but you have so many and I was, I was looking at two different things, but you know, same thing. I was like, Oh, these highly accomplished people with all of these books and things that they're doing, it's hard to keep straight. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. But I think it's a, a great place to, to start. And I love the idea if you are new to dipping your toe into spirituality and, uh, you know, dealing with the chaos of the world, putting together a starter kit. I, I'm starting that now. Hashtag starter kit for spirituality. <laughs> Absolutely. Starter kit. And I think third eye meditations definitely needs to go in that starter kit. Yeah, because I would agree with that. It's a fantastic book. Yeah. Great place to start. Um, yeah. And you know, I think that the number one thing that I hear is that people don't know how to settle. They sit down and they can't get their mind to shut off and they don't know what to do with themselves. They're fidgety. They want to look at their phone. And so I think that it, it's great because if they buy, I think the audio is a fantastic, I would say do both, but the, the tangible book gives you something to, you know, put your hands on and, and fidget with rather than trying to look at your technology and it gives you uh, very valuable tools, step-by-step uh, -step tools on how to do it and what to do with yourself. And it sounds silly to say that you need that for meditation, but I think a lot of people do, unfortunately. Well, I would say that pretty much everybody needs a guide, needs a way to meditate. Just sitting down and <laughs> just sitting down and trying to trying, that's the problem. I mean, it's just not going to work. Yeah. You have to learn how to do it. it. It is a skill like anything else in life. You have to learn how, how to do it. And the, the book Third Eye Meditations just takes you through step by step. You don't like no rocket science there. Just listen, just either read it or listen to it. And it will instruct you. It will take you step by step by step right into meditation. Which is perfect. Thank you for saying yes to this. Oh, well, thanks for inviting me, Amanda. I really enjoyed speaking with you today. I think it's a real travesty that so many of us do get caught up in the lower three chakras, and it's where we tend to spend a lot of our energy and a lot of our time. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with we've really been conditioned to think, um, and through that we've created the reality that the lower three are indeed the most important you know, paying the bills and dealing with responsibilities and the have-tos of life and, you know, uh, dealing with the traumas and bruises of our life uh, keep us kind of stuck in those and giving our power away and just really kind of staying stuck in those lower three doesn't allow us to get in the higher four, which is where we find spiritual matter. It's where we find the I-ness. And it's one of the reasons that I started this podcast was to help everyone along the way to get to the great awakening, which we're in now, but to help you open yourself up to the bigger picture, to see beyond the veil, so to speak. So one of the things um, that I love about Susan's work is, um, you know, just the detail that she goes into. And in her big book of chakras and chakra healing, she says this about the heart chakra. And if you recall, last year I did a double podcast with Karen Newell, and she was talking about the importance of the heart chakra, how if we can get into this space how much higher we can get in our spiritual awareness and our communication with oneness. So from Susan's book in chapter 12, she shares with us chakra four, Anahata. Anahata is the fourth chakra, seat of consciousness, sense of I-ness 
and the point of contact between soul and body. It is the center of direct revelation and inner quietude. In many scriptures, Anahata is described as the chakra from which all 72,000 nadis originate. Thus, Anahata is the gateway to the infinite. Oh, I just love that. That's from Susan's book, Chakras and Chakra Healing. The book is really fantastic. It's, it's really truly a encyclopedia uh, of the chakras. And she goes into great detail about the astrology behind the chakras. Like for example, uh, the Anahata chakra is ruled by Saturn. So, uh, and the sign Capricorn. So she goes into some exponential details that a lot of books don't have. So it's really fascinating and uh, interesting information. So if it's something that you want to learn more about, I highly recommend that you uh, check out this book and, you know, do everything that you can to uh, open yourself up. That's what this uh, time of awakening is all about, is we are rising to the fifth dimension. But you have to remember, uh, just as I uh, shared the I Ching divination at the top of the show, is it's we are creating the reality. So what you focus on expands. So what do you want to create? Get into your heart space and do just that. Find joy, find pleasure, and create from that space. All right, everyone. My name is Amanda Gates. I hope that you've enjoyed the show today. I know I did. It was awesome. Uh, I want to thank Susan for coming on to the show and giving us her time and her expertise on something that is so, so valuable in this really unprecedented time, right? If you'd like to learn more information about me, you can head on over to interiorvibes.com. You can learn more about a floor plan reading. I've got tons of courses uh, that you can purchase, learn more about there. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, leave us a review, subscribe. Helps more people find us during this great awakening, which is so important. And also be sure to check out the YouTube channel. Tons and tons of great videos on things that you can do to get your feng shui right. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because that energy never lies.